If I had a choice, I would be sleeping right now. <laughs> the first year I came to Quran, I thought I'll not survive for two months. It was just too hard. But I'm glad you are here and uh, we discussed with my wife, uh, Nancy, for those of us who have not met Nancy's here. And uh, we, say, we told ourselves we've been Kerrang only for two years and, and move on to Queensland. <laughs> but it's been five years now, we're still in Kerrang, so we, we thank God. <laughs> we thank God we are here. Um, I'd like us to continue on the topic of Outreach. Outreach is part of what we've been talking about in the last few weeks. And uh, if you're joining us today, it's just an encouragement. It's just a reminder that God has invited all of us to think about the lost people, the unchurched people, the people that are looking for the truth, the people that are looking to understand eternity, and the joy of salvation. And today we'll be looking at the book of Acts chapter 10. And we'll not look at the whole chapter. I'll just pick some portions of that chapter and we can look at that as we continue. So in Acts chapter 10 from verse 1, Acts 10 verse 1, the Bible says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, who, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius came, I mean, called two of his friends or his servants, and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And verse 11 to 13, he saw heaven open. And something like a large sheet being led, led down to earth by, his, by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And from verse 14, surely, surely not, 
Lord, Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Uh, I'll begin from 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon, Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one that you're looking for. Why have you come? And from 22, the man replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and a God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the house to be his guests. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for your message. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. That as I share your message, I pray that you lead and guide and bring your anointing, Father. Lord, I pray for each and every person this morning. That as we hear from you this morning, may you open our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My message today is Christ is inviting us to think outside the box. Christ is inviting us to think outside the box as Christians. When I was thinking about this topic, I was remembering about 20 years ago, I went to my mom's church back at home in Nairobi, and they had asked me to go and preach in the church. And after I preached, I could see I was, while I was preaching, People were actually looking at me. And then at the end of the, the message, my mom told me that I did not have a tie. <laughs> my mom said, how could you do that? <laughs> You're supposed to have put on a tie this morning. And I said, I told my mom, I'm sorry, I didn't know. She said, no, here yeah, you have to have a tie when you come to preach. And it took me back so many years ago, and not even my, my mom's church, where, where I used to serve back in Nairobi, the standard was a suit on Sunday. If you don't have a suit, you don't step on the pulpit. <laughs> that was the standard. And when I, when I was thinking about it, it took me back Back in 1997, when the first time I was actually started working in church, back in 1997, that's when I started to work in church. And as a young teenager, I'd left, I'd finished working in a factory. And, uh, you know, as, as a factory young man, you know, the kind of stuff we wear. And uh, I put on, uh, I tried to be neat. 
And my boss was an American pastor. He walked one day to the office and told me, Fred, I know this will sound a bit harsh, but here we have to work in a tie. And he went into his pocket and got out some cash and told me, go to the shop and buy yourself some ties today. <laughs> it was a bit harsh, but, and, and there was just memories were coming. And I was saying, sometimes Christians, we are so locked in our own boxes until you feel like everybody should fit in your box. And that's sometimes how we do with God. We, we take God and try to put God in our own box every day. You want God to pray in your style. You even want God to be a vegetarian for those of us who love vegetables. <laughs> I mean, the Christians, you're looking for a vegetarian God. And the Christians, you're looking for God who just likes certain stuff. And these things, they're not just about God. Even in marriages, I've counseled young people, and I've gone through myself. There are people that have ticked boxes of the kind of a wife or a a husband they're looking for, young people. If they don't take those boxes, we call in Kenya, that's not wife material. Because I've not taken the boxes. I don't know, sure. You can do, you can do your own test for those of us who are married. Just move the bed from this, the corner and put it to a different corner. Or move it to a different room and see how the other spouse or the other person will react to that. <laughs> yeah, you can try. I mean, these things are happening in our homes. There's a particular way you like your shoes to be put in the house. And if, if you find them moved, even the child has moved them, you get a little bit bitter. Who moved the shoes today? Some of us, you like even the way you like your bed tied up. You know, if, if, if you find the, the top leaning on one side, you're like, how come the bed is looking like this? Who did this? And I met some people. Sometimes I've sat somewhere, and, I've, and, and this is a true story. Another lady was trying to kick the cat. Who told you to sit here? I mean... It's just a cat <laughs> in the house. Because the, you, 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 you've, you've made up a box in, in a way that you want things to appear in your house, in your mind, in your home, in the way that you view things, you want them to be appear that way in your life. So we get in this routine that every morning when you wake up, this is the first shoe that steps out. This is the first leg that steps out of bed. This is how I do my toothbrushing. Then I jump on the table. I have my coffee. Then I jump into this. So it becomes a routine. It becomes a box. And you want everybody in your house to fit in that box. And when your box is shaking a little bit, a little bit, you get angry. You get nasty, you feel frustrated, and the whole day is messed up. I worked somewhere else where you don't even say hello to the boss. You know, he walks in. That was the factory. The boss walks in and just everybody, so everybody looks down like this. They don't say hello to you. And that became a routine. 
Today I want to challenge us to think out of the, outside the box and think about what God is doing in our journey. God is doing in our lives of people as he walks with us. If you want to experience and see the work that God, the work that is being done by the Holy Spirit in the mission field, we must think out of the box. Friends, we have to. We have to think out of the, outside the box. Our spiritual boxes, those are the ones I'm talking about, our spiritual boxes. Our views on spirituality differ from one group to another. We don't have the same views about spirituality. Let me tell you, I just borrowed some notes from my my theology, so don't feel like I'm bringing theology today. I just want you to have a view of... uh, of theology. Uh, and I wanted to look at those our theological differences in our society. I've not even looked at the, the philosophical ones and other stuff that people have in their own understanding of the world, you know. Think about atheists. And even within atheists, they have some boxes in there. It's not the same group. Yes, they call themselves atheists, but you can see that it's not one group. I've just mentioned a few. Think about Buddhists. I've only put there for you few to think about. It's not one group. You find even within the box, there are also tiny boxes within the box. Think about Christianity, the Orthodox, the Catholics, the Protestants, the Pentecostals, non-denominational. If you jump into there, you get the Evangelicals, and you jump in the Evangelicals, you find the Baptists, the Methodists, and other small groups. And even you jump into the, within the, the Baptists themselves, you find that those that call themselves the conservatives, the liberals, and all those Baptists. Tiny, tiny boxes. Think about the Hindus, Hinduism. I was looking at the list. You can't even put all of them there, the boxes. There are many. There are many of them. These are different views, different understanding of spirituality and, and other stuff that we're thinking about. Even Islam, they tell you Islam is one, but it's not. There's a Sunni the Shiites, and among those groups that those who tell themselves we are the best, you are not. They're telling the other groups. Just as Christians, you know, that in Christianity, there are some groups that are telling other groups that we as Christians, we are this domination, we are the best. We are better than you. I've said this many times when I was growing up, my mom was, my parents were Pentecostals. And they used to tell us that only Pentecostals will go to heaven. <laughs> only Pentecostals will go to heaven. So you, have, you want to think about it. <laughs> it's a true story. It's a true story. I can list so many of those groups, the six. Different views. 
even within Judaism, we had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, and other groups within the group. But today I want to talk a little bit about Judaism. I'll focus a bit on Judaism for us to see why it was hard for Peter to accept the trade that was coming from heaven. For some of us who are choosing what we eat, I don't know what, what whether I would have dealt with that differently because I'm very choosy on what I eat, not because that I really want it. It's just that my stomach does not allow me to eat anything. Uh, so I try and just cautiously the things I can't eat. If you drop from me pork from heaven and put it here, I tell you, God, I know I love you, I'm born again, but pork, no. I don't eat pork. I've seen some people eat kangaroo, I, and I love you guys, but I don't eat kangaroo. So if you brought kangaroo here, pork, crocodile, I've seen some people eat crocodiles, prawns, I tell you, no, I'm sorry. God, if it's on that basis, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't test them. I went to, and I love my friends here, one day I went to the Indian shop, I mean Indian uh, food place, and I told them because of my sensitive stomach, I don't like spicy food. And they said, no, no, it's just mild. <laughs> it's just mild. And I tested, I'm telling you, I didn't even take two spoons. <laughs> one, of our, one of the central beliefs of Judaism is that the true, the one true God, I mean, the one true God chose Israel to be his servant, to bring all persons to true knowledge of God. That's like a standard in Judaism that Salvation, it's in the Bible. It's coming from us. We are the chosen ones. We are the holy nation. And they're proud about it. We are the people. But I can tell you that it was so hard to become one of them. You can, you can worship with them. You can do stuff with them. But they'll never, never recognize you as one of them. Never. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was not for one to convert to Judaism because this God was not just, it wasn't just a religion. You had to grow into the riches. As a boy of eight years, circumcised at eight days to start the journey of Judaism. And then you grow into the religion to become where you need to be. So for somebody coming from Africa, some of us to become one, it was impossible. It was so hard. Because that created for themselves this box where for you to fit in that situation, even if you had money, even if you had married from there, they just made it hard for people to become one of them. Those that worshipped Yahweh were only reduced to God-fearers, but were never allowed to convert to Judaism. You can be a God-fearer, 
I know most of us like to use the term, I'm a God-fearer person. If you use that those days, you'd be reduced to one of those people that only were God-fearers, but you'll never be allowed into Judaism itself. The Bible says that in this city, Caesarea, a predominantly Roman city on the shores of the Mediterranean in Judea, was the headquarters of the Roman governor of the province of Judea. You can see the map there, it's not very clear, but you can see where it was. A very strategic city those days. And in this place, in this city there was a man named Cornelius. He was an officer in the Roman army. He was a devout man, a man who feared God, who prayed to God always, and who gave donations generously to those who are in need. I mean, this is the kind of man you want in a church. Somebody who's tithing and giving and is there praying, and these are the people we want in church. But to these guys, he never met the standard. He was not even on the level of the expectation. They are not even ready to fellowship with this guy. This is a senior officer. He's a man that people knew in the society. He was living in a, in a very strategic place. It's a, it's, he has authority. Those are people that you want to connect, to live closer to. But as far as religion was concerned, he did not meet the standard of man. Because man, we have these boxes. We have these this red tapes that you cannot fit here if you're ABCD in Christianity. You're not born again enough to be part of this. You don't pray enough to be here. You don't give enough to be here. Some churches giving is a big thing. If you give nothing, you're nobody. Cornelius was in the category of what the Jewish called God-fearers, one, of, one who feared God. These were the genders who loved the God of Israel. They were sympathetic and supportive of the Jewish faith, yet they stopped short of becoming full Jews in the lifestyle and in circumcision. They fell short. If this guy was not born again, I don't know who else can be without standards. If this guy was not saved, I don't know who else would be born again if this man was not, did not meet the criteria of those people who were born again. Friends, we made salvation so hard for us that the work that the Holy Spirit has given us to do, we are not doing the job. The people, that the very people that God has come to save, we are the people judging the very people. God did not come to save those who are righteous. God came to save those people that have problems, the sinners, the people that have challenges, the people that are struggling, the very people that God wants to save, that the people who are standing to judge, to judge and point fingers. And that's what I want to encourage and challenge all of us today. Let's take those boxes, let's throw them away and embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives. 
That if you want to see change in our society today, if you want to see change in your home, if you want to see change in our church, we have to take those boxes, throw them away, and invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. In year 2000, for the first time in the history of Kenya, the, the chief justice was like a liberal man because this was a system whereby you have to be a very conservative person. And for the first time, the chief justice was an activist, a very liberal person, and he had an earring. And the churches were talking every day. That man cannot be our chief justice. And the debate went on and went on. The debate came every day. That man cannot be the chief justice. And one day, this guy asked the church, I want you to look at your culture. Because in our culture, Maasai's actually normally have earrings. We have a number of tribes in our society, like the Maasai's, that actually wear earrings from the day you are small. And this guy said, does it mean that the Maasai's cannot be Christians? What's wrong with my earring in church? And everybody was quiet. You know, the people, you'll be shocked when you're entering heaven, you find them sitting, uh, ushering you at the door. Welcome home. Like, you mean yourself, you're here. How did you come here? How did you get here? The people, you find them in heaven. Having tea, if tea will be there, or coffee, and welcoming you, like, okay, you made it. <laughs> and to challenge us today that the work of the Holy Spirit is not our job. Friends, we should not teach people, we should not teach God how to love people. God is love. His nature is love. His personality is love. Everything about him is love. He's saying without love, it's impossible to be my friend. It's impossible to be with me. It's impossible to please me without love. You can see the Bible says the Jewish people of that time respected, appreciated these God-peering Gentiles because they could not really share, but they could not really share their life and homes and food with them because they were still, in fact, Gentiles and not full Jewish Converts. For you to be a Christian those days, you had to convert to their religion to be a Christian. How could you convert if you are not circumcised at eight days old and live like a Jew, like any other Jew? How? So every box, every challenge, every red tape that they had to, people that had to go through to become Christians. Today, Paul is encouraging us, you know, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you become. Because Paul saw the challenges the church went through, the people went through for them to become Christians. That when things and red tapes and boxes and barriers were put in place for people to become Christians, I remember back in uh, 19, probably 99 or 2000, we, we started growing our youth ministry in our church back in Nairobi. And the youth used to come around and they leave a lot of 
destruction. They would come and break things and do stuff. And some people were saying, we don't want the young people coming here because they break stuff. The pastor said, you know what? We are happy to repair them. Let them come and break them. We'll prepare. And today, our church back has one of the largest youth following in Nairobi. Every Sunday, they get about a thousand young people coming to worship on Sundays. Just because somebody stood up and said, let them come and break the stuff, they'll be repaired. And of course, not the young people are the only ones breaking. It was just the youth who were labeled that they break stuff every Sunday. If something is stolen, the young people came around the stall. They took it away. If you look at this and what Peter was doing, which I'll not read it again, but the Bible says that Cornelius was praying in the ninth hour. Uh, people are saying that probably it's like 3 p.m. or whatever in the afternoon. And this was a customary time for prayer for Jews. As Cornelius was praying, he saw a vision. This man, according to me, this man ticked all the boxes any Christian is looking for. He's given his gifts. He's a God-fearing person. He's a prayerful person. Exactly the same time these other guys are praying. You know? It's over there. A man who feared God. A man who prayed to God always. A man who gave donations generously to those who are in need. A man who saw visions from God. I mean, how many of us even saw the, see the visions? We try, but, you know, it's not that easy. But this man clearly could tell this is a vision from God, and this is just a dream. He could tell the difference. But according to Peter, this man was not Christian enough. What else could you be looking for in a Christian person? What else? Somebody who is praying, somebody who is giving, somebody who is fearful to God, somebody is, God is speaking to himself, someone that God is telling you are giving has become a memorial. How many of us have been told your giving has become a memorial in heaven? You know, God is telling this person, your giving has become a memorial in heaven. But to Peter, this guy is not Christian enough to fellowship with, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to be part of the community of God. Peter had put God in a box of limitations and now God was going to shake Peter up and to change his thinking. And I believe he's doing the same to us in our journey. Just because under the law of Moses, Jews were forbidden to eat animals who are designated as common or unclean, according to Leviticus 11. But for those, but, but who decides what is clean anyway? We want to show God who to love based on our boxes. It's hard. You cannot limit the work of the Holy Spirit in a box. 
And this was demonstrated on the day of Pentecost. Peter had forgotten that all the barriers were broken on the day of Pentecost. Because on the day of the Pentecost, everything, the barriers, the whatever that was being locked in was broken. And you can see in this scripture here, in Acts chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, the Bible says that now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together and bewilderment. And because each one, of, each one had their own language being spoken, utterly amazed, they asked, are all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? You can see clearly that there were other communities that God was encouraging during that day that the barrier of just thinking about themselves was broken during the day of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God was showing these guys that now are breaking every barrier, every wall, because the Spirit of God cannot be limited to a particular community, to a particular people. The Spirit of God can go every, and needs to go to every person. It took me back also to John chapter 4. Jesus reminding the Samaritan lady that yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in his truth. God is looking for people that are worshiping the spirit. We cannot limit the spirit of God. You can have your own boxes, you can have your own barriers, you can have your own red tape, but the Spirit of God cannot be limited. The Spirit of God cannot be controlled. The Spirit of God cannot be directed where this go. God is directing his own spirit to who he chooses to reach out to. And God is inviting you and I to partner with him and to allow that spirit to work, to work in us to be able to reach out to other people. And to pray that you'll be able to listen to what God is calling you to do in your journey. God is inviting you what you need to do in your journey. To think about your own family. To think about your, your, your children. To think about your country. To think about your, your neighbor. And see what is it doing. And as I finish, the Bible said that the woman said and know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes... He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared and said, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He said, a time is coming and it has now come. This is the time. It's not about tomorrow. It's about this is the time. That you haven't done your part, God is inviting you to do your part. If you've been locked in your own box, God is saying, throw that box away and embrace the Holy Spirit. Embrace the love of God and do what God is inviting you to do. At the end of that part, you can see Peter's confession. Peter says, now I realize how true it is that God does not show favorism. He doesn't. That's Peter's confusion at the end of the chapter. Because Peter 
went to Cornelius' house and saw for himself that the Spirit of God was not limited by the things that he thought they were. But God had a message for that family. God had already convicted that family. God himself had indeed spoken to that family. God already had already invited this family to be his own. And when the Spirit comes to this and anoints the family, Peter can witness and says, now I realize how true it is that God does not show favorism. God does not choose. God does not select. God is inviting everybody. God is inviting you and I. Whether it's in your home, your place of work, there's no red tape. He's saying, think. Think out of that box you put yourself. Get out of that box and reach out to somebody. Get out of that box and, 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 and do something that is different. Get out of that box and, and put up your hands. You know, some places even putting up hands is, is a problem. You know, if you have to put up your hands and worship me, if you have to kneel down and worship me, if you have to lie down and worship me, if you have to walk around and worship me, feel free to worship me. Don't be feel contained in that box. Don't feel limited in that place. Don't feel constrained in that corner. Move out and get out. Don't be quiet. Speak out and let God listen to your voice. I want us to stand on our feet today. Just stand where you are as I call the worship team to come back. As I call the worship, I want you to stand on your feet. I don't know which box you've been locked yourself into. I don't know which corner yourself you're standing. I don't know which red tape you put for yourself. I want you to cut it off. I want you to jump out of that box and tell God today, I'll not be limited. But the, the box, the barriers, the things I've put myself in, I want to get things off. I want to shake them off and, and enjoy your freedom and enjoy your peace and enjoy your Holy Spirit in my journey, in my life. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. Especially today, Lord, I thank you for our young people, for our youth. Because many times we judge them. Sometimes by what they wear, what they, how they walk. But I want to pray, God, that you help us. It's, just not, it's not about the stuff we put on. It's about the spirit that you put in our hearts, oh God. And today I want to pray as parents, you help us to embrace our young people and allow them to embrace the Holy Spirit the way you want them to do, God. I pray for couples and, 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 and singles and families, Lord, I want to lift them this morning, God. Those that have been locked in our own boxes of religion, locked in our own boxes of philosophy that doesn't make sense to other people. Lord, I pray that may you break them today and allow us to raise up and stand up and, and worship you, Father. And I pray, God, that this church will not be limited by the things that the world is limiting us. I pray, Lord, this place will be a place where many people come and find your healing. Many people will come and find experience your love in this place, Father. That many people will come to this place and experience your forgiveness. That this place will be a place where many will come and experience your peace with you, God. 
May you help us, God. That as we step forward, Lord, we want to walk in confidence. We want to walk with you, Father, because we know your work cannot be questioned, God. May you bring your Holy Spirit to continue to convict us and lead us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for our leadership. I pray for our leaders, God, that has make decisions. The Lord, we make decisions not because of our boxes, not because of what we think, but because of what your Holy Spirit is telling us to do, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.